The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi there, and welcome to our podcast. And this week at London Visited, we go back to the Tower of London for our third and final visit to tell you more about this iconic part of London. My name is Steve, and each week I'll bring to you the facts, history, and information about different parts of this great capital. If you've been to London, are planning on visiting, live here, or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Also, don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. And now, to this week's podcast. The Tower of London has become established as one of the most popular tourist attractions in the country. It's been a tourist attraction since at least the Elizabethan period, when it was one of the sites of London that foreign visitors wrote about. Its most popular attractions were the Royal Menagerie and displays of armour. The crown jewels also garner much interest, which have been on public display since 1669. The tower steadily gained popularity with tourists through the 19th century, despite the opposition of the Duke of Wellington to visitors. Numbers became so high that by 1851, a purpose-built ticket office was erected. By the end of the century, over half a million people were visiting the castle every year. Over the 18th and 19th centuries, the palatial buildings were slowly adapted for other uses and demolished. Only the Wakefield and St Thomas's Towers survived. The 18th century marked an increasing interest in England's medieval past. One of the effects was the emergence of Gothic Revival architecture. In the tower's architecture, this was manifest when the New Horse Armoury was built in 1825 against the south face of the White Tower. It featured elements of Gothic Revival architecture such as battlements. Other buildings were remodelled to match the style and the Waterloo barracks were described as castellated Gothic of the 15th century. Between 1845 and 1885, institutions such as the Mint, which had inhabited the castle for centuries, moved to other sites. Many of the post-medieval structures left vacant were demolished. In 1855, the War Office took over responsibility for manufacture and storage of weapons from the Ordnance Office, which was gradually phased out of the castle. At the same time, there was greater interest in the history of the Tower of London. Public interest was partly fueled by contemporary writers, of whom the work of William Harrison Ainsworth was particularly influential. In the Tower of London, a historical romance, he created a vivid image of the underground torture chambers and devices for extracting confessions that struck in the public imagination. Ainsworth also played another role in the tower's history. He suggested that Beauchamp Tower should be open to the public so they could see the inscriptions of the 16th and 17th century prisoners. Working on the suggestion, Anthony Slavin refurbished the tower and led to a further programme for a comprehensive restoration at the behest of Prince Albert. Slavin was succeeded in the work by John Taylor. When a feature did not meet his expectations of medieval architecture, Taylor would ruthlessly remove it. As a result, several important buildings within the castle were pulled down and in some cases, post-medieval internal decoration removed. 
Although only one bomb fell on the Tower of London in the First World War, it landed harmlessly in the moat. The Second World War left a greater mark. On the 23rd of September 1940, during the Blitz, high-explosive bombs damaged the castle, destroying several buildings and narrowly missing the White Tower. After the war, the damage was repaired and the Tower of London was reopened to the public. A 1974 Tower of London bombing in the White Tower mortar room left one person dead and 41 injured. No one claimed responsibility for the blast, but the police investigated suspicions that the IRA was behind it. In the 21st century, tourism is the tower's primary role. The remaining routine military activities under the Royal Logistic Corps having wound down in the latter half of the 20th century and moved out of the castle. However, the tower is still home to the ceremonial regimental headquarters of the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers and the museum dedicated to it and its predecessor, the Royal Fusiliers. Also, a detachment of the unit providing the Queen's Guard at Buckingham Palace still mounts a guard at the tower and, with the yeoman warders, takes part in the ceremony of the keys each day. On several occasions through the year, gun salutes are fired from the tower by the Honourable Artillery Company. These consist of 62 rounds for royal occasions and 41 on other occasions. Since 1990, the Tower of London has been cared for by an independent charity, Historic Royal Palaces, which receives no funding from the government or the Crown. In 1988, the Tower of London was added to the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites in recognition of its global importance and to help conserve and protect the site. However, recent developments, such as the construction of skyscrapers nearby, have pushed the tower towards being added to the United Nations Heritage in Danger list. The remains of the medieval palace have been open to the public since 2006. Visitors can explore the chambers restored to their former glory, once used by past kings and queens, although the position of constable of the tower remains the highest position held at the tower. The responsibility of day-to-day -day administration is delegated to the resident governor. The constable is appointed for a five-year term. This is primarily a ceremonial post today, but the constable is also a trustee of historic royal palaces and the royal armories. General Sir Nick Horton was appointed constable in 2016. At least six ravens are kept at the tower at all times in accordance with the belief that if they are absent, the kingdom will fall. They are under the care of the Raven Master, one of the Yeoman Warders. As well as having ceremonial duties, the Yeoman Warders provide guided tours around the tower. Over 2.8 million people visited the Tower of London in 2019. The Yeoman Warders provided the permanent garrison of the tower, but the constable of the tower could call upon the men of the Tower Hamlets to supplement them when necessary. The Tower Hamlets, aka Tower Division, was an area significantly larger than the modern London borough of the same name, which owed military service to the constable in his ex-officio role as Lord Lieutenant of the Tower of Hamlets. The tradition of housing the crown jewels in the Tower of London probably dates from the reign of Henry III, 1216-1272. The jewel house was built specifically to house the royal regalia, including jewels, plate, symbols of royalty such as the crown, scepter and sword. When money needed to be raised, the treasure could be pawned by the monarch. The treasure allowed the monarch independence from aristocracy and consequently was closely guarded. A new position for keeper of the jewels, armories and other things was created, which was well rewarded. In the reign of Edward III, 1327-1377, the holder was paid 12 pence a day. 
the position grew to include other duties, including purchasing royal jewels, gold and silver, and appointing royal goldsmiths and jewelers. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In 1649, during the English Civil War, the contents of the jewel house were disposed of, along with other royal properties, as decreed by Cromwell. Metal items were sent to the mint to be melted down and reused, and the crowns were totally broken and defaced. When the monarchy was restored in 1660, the only surviving items of the coronation regalia were a 12th century spoon and three ceremonial swords. Some pieces that had been sold were later returned to the crown. Detailed records of old regalia survived, and replacements were made for the coronation of Charles II in 1661, based on drawings from the time of Charles I. For the coronation of Charles II, gems were rented because the treasury could not afford to replace them. In 1669, the jewel house was demolished, and the crown jewels moved into Martin Tower until 1841. They were displayed here for viewing by the paying public. This was exploited two years later, when Colonel Thomas Blood attempted to steal them. Blood and his accomplices bound and gagged the jewel house keeper. Although they laid their hands on the imperial state crown, scepter and orb, they were foiled when the keeper's son turned up unexpectedly and raised the alarm. Since 1994, the crown jewels have been on display in the jewel house in the Waterloo block. Some of the pieces are regularly used by the Queen. The display includes 23,578 gemstones, the 800-year-old coronation spoon, St Edward's crown, worn during all crownings at Westminster Abbey, and the imperial state crown. There is evidence that King John, 1166-1216, first started keeping wild animals at the tower. Records of 1210-1212 show payments to lion keepers. The Royal Menagerie is frequently referenced during the reign of Henry III. Holy Roman Emperor Frederick II presented Henry with three leopards, circa 1235 which were kept in the tower. In 1252, the sheriffs were ordered to pay fourpence a day towards the upkeep of the king's polar bear, a gift from Hakon IV of Norway. In the same year, the bear attracted a great deal of attention from Londoners when it went fishing in the Thames, while tied to the land by a chain. In 1254 or 1255, Henry III received an African elephant from Louis IX of France, depicted by Matthew Paris in his Chronica Mallorca, a wooden structure was built to house the elephant, 12.2 metres long by 6.1 metres wide. The animal died in 1258, possibly because it was given red wine, but also perhaps because of the cold climate of England. In 1288, Edward I added a line and a lynx and appointed the first official keeper of animals. Edward III added other types of animals, two lions, a leopard and two wildcats. Under subsequent kings, the number of animals grew to include additional cats of various types, jackals, hyenas, and an old brown bear, Max, gifted to Henry VIII by Emperor Maximilian. In 1436, during the time of Henry VI, all the lions died, and the employment of keeper William Kirby was terminated. Historical records indicate 
that a semicircular structure, or barbican, was built by Edward I in 1277. This later area named the Lion Tower, to the immediate west of the Middle Tower. Records from 1335 indicate the purchase of a lock and key for the lions and leopards, also suggesting they were located near the western entrance of the tower. By the 1500s, that area was called the Menagerie. Between 1604 and 1606, the Menagerie was extensively refurbished, and an exercise yard was created in the moat area, beside the Lion Tower. An overhead platform was added for viewing the lions by the royals, during lion baiting, for example, at the time of James I. Reports from 1657 include mention of six lions, increasing to 11 by 1708, in addition to other types of cats, eagles, owls, and a jackal. By the 18th century, the menagerie was open to the public. Admission cost three and a half pence, or the supply of a cat or a dog to be fed to the lions. By the end of the century, that had increased to nine pence. A particularly famous inhabitant was Old Martin, a large grizzly bear given to George III by Hudson's Bay Company in 1811. An 1800 inventory also listed a tiger, leopards, a hyena, a large baboon, various types of monkeys, wolves, and other animals. By 1822, however, the collection included only a grizzly bear, an elephant, and some birds. Additional animals were then introduced. In 1828, there were over 280 representing at least 60 species, as the new keeper, Alfred Cobbs, was actively acquiring animals. After the death of George IV in 1830, a decision was made to close down the menagerie on the orders of the Duke of Wellington. In 1831, most of the stock was moved to the London Zoo, which had opened in 1828. This decision was made after an incident, although sources vary as to the specifics. Either a lion was accused of biting a soldier, or a soldier, Ensign Seymour, had been bitten by a monkey. The last of the animals left in 1835, relocated to Regent's Park. The menagerie buildings were removed in 1852, but the keeper of the Royal Menagerie was entitled to use the Lion Tower as a house for life. Consequently, even though the animals had long since left the building, the tower was not demolished until the death of Cops, the last keeper, in 1853. In 1999, physical evidence of lion cages was found, one being 2 by 3 metres. In size, very small for a lion that can grow to be 2.5 metres long. In 2008, the skulls of two male Barbary lions, now extinct in the wild, from northwest Africa were found in the moat area of the tower. Radiocarbon tests dated them from 1280 to 1385 and 1420 to 1480. In 2011, an exhibition was hosted at the tower with fine wire sculptures by Kendra Haste. Anne Boleyn was beheaded in 1536 for treason against Henry VIII. Her ghost supposedly haunts the church of St Peter at Vilica, in the tower, where she is buried, and has been said to walk around the White Tower, carrying her head under her arm. This haunting is commemorated in the 1934 comic song, with her head tucked underneath her arm. Other reported ghosts include Henry VI, Lady Jane Grey, Margaret Pole, and the princes in the tower. In January 1816, a sentry on guard outside the jewel house claimed to have witnessed an apparition of a bear advancing towards him and reportedly died of fright a few days later. In October 1817, a tubular, growing apparition, was claimed to have been seen in the jewel house by the keeper of the crown jewels, 
Edmund Lenthal Swift. He said that the apparition hovered over the shoulder of his wife, leading her to exclaim, Oh Christ, it has seized me! Other nameless and formless terrors have been reported, more recently, by night staff at the Tower. So, I hope you've enjoyed our in-depth look at the Tower of London in the last three episodes, finishing off with a few spooky stories. Whatever podcast service you use to listen to this, please do subscribe to get updates on new shows. And also, please leave us some feedback. Also, if you've got any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can email me directly on londonvisited at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter and Instagram at londonvisited. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you very soon on the next one. Bye.